Explain to me this. What is the suicide art movement? Well, that's actually another strange one. Um, and You're telling me. <laughs> the suicide art movement. Artists start to kill themselves um, in the name of speaking out against the government. Welcome to You Are the Guest, a weekly show where you can be the guest and tell people what you and your friends and neighbors think about news events and issues of the day. It's part talk show, part opinion poll, part reality show, and a whole lot of fun. And it's completely dependent upon your participation as a guest. To be considered as a guest for a future show, check out the website at www.youaretheguest.com for details. Now here's your program host, Bill Grady. Greetings from the great city of Fort Dodge, Iowa, and welcome to show number 55 of You Are the Guest, the show where we talk to everyday people just like you and me about their lives and about the issues of the day. Our guest today comes from San Francisco. Mike, welcome to You Are the Guest. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Tell our audience about yourself, Mike. Well, I, am, I live in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, almost all my life. Um, I went to school to undergrad and graduate school and actually um, got degrees in acting and have no idea what those are useful for nowadays. Politics. Politics? Yeah, acting. <laughs> Unfortunately, I learned the truthful style of acting, so ah. politics is out of the question. Ah, but, you know, it, it is a lucrative profession. Being in politics? Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, there's a lot of, you, you got to do things that I just don't know that I'm ready to do, and you got to kiss people's behind, and I don't know if I'm ready to do all of that. Yeah, you don't want somebody's butt on your breath. <laughs> there's not enough scope in the world to get rid of that. <laughs> Anyways, I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, it's cool. Um, so, I mean, that's what I went to school for, and then... Right now, I actually work in the education field, and I actually run my own podcast, the Cool as Hell Theater Podcast, which is how I keep my feet in the in the industry. Tell me about the Fringe Festival. What is the Fringe Festival? Uh, the Fringe Festival is happening in San Francisco, and it just started today, actually. And it is a festival of short shows that traditionally cannot get produced on, like, main stage houses. So these are shows that people create themselves. There's a lot of one-man shows, um, a lot of singing shows and things like that, but they tend to be out of the ordinary, so they're like on the fringe, so which is why it is called the Fringe Festival. Sounds like podcasting for theater. It is like podcasting for theater um, because, you know, as podcasters, we're out on the fringe compared to the regular broadcasters. Well, some more than others. <laughs> Case in point, the 9-11 conspiracy guy. Yeah? Yeah. Heard him. Okay, well, check out show number 53, and you'll understand what I mean. But I, but I digress. Okay. What, what is the strangest performance that you've seen or heard about that's going to be at the Fringe Festival? Oh, wow. Um, I don't know about the strangest performance, but the strangest interview... It, 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 it kind of caught me off guard, um, was a one um, called uh, Lily Fontaine, Fontana. And I was interviewing the, the girl, and she was telling me about the play, and it's all about her 
cutting herself, cutting her wrists, and I had no clue that that was coming. So the interview turned very dark really fast, and she was very forthcoming in her efforts to, you know, try to kill herself. And had she seen a therapist, or was this the therapy? <laughs> she has seen a therapist, but a part of me thinks that this also is is hopefully going to be a cathartic performance for her. Um, but she has seen a therapist, and she said the most effective therapy was actually when she was in Italy seeing a therapist out there. So I guess American therapists aren't doing it for her. But how is that going to look on a resume? <laughs> My theatrical resume was that, yeah, I wrote something about trying to kill myself. Oh, well, uh, uh, I guess we don't want to invest just in case the play goes badly. Uh, exactly, because, man, hopefully her mentality can handle it if it does go badly. The title of the play, fortunately, does not indicate any any sense of, you know, the, the material um, that she presents. So she put it on a resume. She might be able to get away with it until they asked her what it was about. And she has a tendency to be honest. So, yeah, then she would be in trouble. Have you ever told someone just because you can perform doesn't mean that you should perform? Uh, I, I absolutely agree with that um, mentality. Um, I think that there are people, I, I actually believe that everybody can learn to be a performer, but there are some people who just need to step away from it and learn something first. Um, I'm fascinated with American Idol because you get these people on there and they honestly believe that they can perform and they need to be told, um, step off the stage because you're not bringing it. Um, so, yeah, I have said that before. And do you think that they've heard that or do they just dismiss it? Well, everybody hears it to a certain extent. They try to dismiss it, um, but they hear it because it, it, it hurts, you know, to hear that. Um but they always act tough as if it didn't phase them. But in on honest, honesty, it does phase people to a certain extent. It doesn't necessarily make them stop. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to take your advice. But they do hear it. Explain to me this. What is the suicide art movement? Oh, <laughs> that's a play happening at the Fringe Festival. Oh, that's actually another strange one. Um, and You're telling me. <laughs> The suicide art movement. <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a real thing. At least I hope it's not. But in this play, this cat writes um, a play where um, a performer protesting a certain political group or political party writes uh, a piece and kills himself at the end of this performance. And, you know, then another artist writes a piece and kills himself at the end of the performance. And then artists catch on to this and think it's some type of movement so that artists then start writing pieces and killing themselves at the end of the piece. The first guy who killed himself, it was actually, actually an accident. Um, but that's the play this guy wrote for the SF Fringe Festival. Um, and artists start to kill themselves um, in the name of speaking out against the government. Trying to think of a follow-up question, but there's nothing I can, I can think of right now to that one. Um, Definitely a strange play. I have to go check that one out. Okay, here's a, here's a follow-up question. Are these artists connected or disconnected with the rest of the world? 
Um, I am going to say that they are pretty disconnected with the rest of the world. I mean, that's that's a hell of a movement, um, you know, like Waco, Texas. I mean, I guess it's like any type of, of, of cult following where you go to the extreme to to express a point, and I think that's rather atypical of the human experience. So they're definitely whacked out. Are they whacked out of their brains, or are they just uh, trying to shock people? <laughs> well, I think there's a there's a good there's a good amount of people who are just whacked out, uh, and and that's why they get their their works performed at the Fringe Festival as opposed to your more conventional type of venues. So yeah, there are some there are some strange people who are performing. I think that they're genuinely strange and whacked out. And, of course, there'll be a few who are just trying to do it for shock value, but I think for the most part, these are just some weird people. I mean, I'm, I did a few interviews, and I remember commenting on more than one occasion saying things like, dude, you're weird, what is up with you? Or saying things like, dude, are people afraid to be around you with the way you think? Because they're just a little out there. And why did you think somebody would want to watch this? <laughs> Because obviously there are other people who are whacked out too. They're just not performers, and they just want to see people who can say it, who can say what they can't say. So, um, or out of a room of 100 people, they'll find at least two people that will say, "Hey, right on! I feel just like that," and the other 98 walk out the door. And not all of them are way out there. Um, you know, uh, they have some relatively straightforward type of of writings. Um, such as what? Such as what? Yeah. What, what's straightforward in the Fringe Festival? Things that are just like comedic. Um, there's one about uh, courtroom drama um, that a lawyer wrote. Um, he's actually a lawyer in San Francisco. And, and what did he write about? What did he write about? Yeah. It's a play called uh, Pomp and Circumstance. And the play Pomp and Circumstance is, is actually a personal trial of a, an attorney who comes to term with his father who happened to actually be a famous retiring criminal defense lawyer. And so this coming-of-age type of thing or coming to terms with his father is set in the courtroom where they have where there's a trial going on and so that to me sounds rather straightforward um gotcha it's not something like uh the uh john mark Carr arrest or anything like that <laughs> exactly nothing like you know uh eating dead cows or, or you know some whacked out stuff like that well we all eat dead cows if we're eating beef well good point but not live. Well, then they wouldn't be dead. Good point. Let me retract that for, for sounding so idiotic. <laughs> <laughs> what are people saying about John Mark Carr's arrest? Well. Thinking about the unbelievable and whacked out. Um, right. Um, so I'm going out with an, an attorney, a DA, and her mother is absolutely fascinated with the case um, and was just like, you know, he's, he's dead. They have DNA proof. And this attorney that I'm going out with, she was like, 
you know, if this goes to court and they have DNA proof, then he is gone. And she's like, you know, in the in the in the um, in the in the world of law, DNA proof has very little meaning. But as soon as you say DNA proof to a jury, then for the jury, that's like the be all end all of anything. And so, you know, she was like, if they present this to a court, then the guy is dead just because they have DNA proof. Turns out, of course, they don't. And how foolish do the people look? But that's one of the things that I've been hearing. Turns out they didn't really have anything except the lunatic's email. So tell me again why that was a good deal. (laughs) It wasn't a good deal. It was idiotic and uh, a and a, a misuse of funds. And, yeah, just based on an email, I mean, good God, it could mean anything. Oh, absolutely. And and you would think that these law enforcement officials would know that and uh it just it really boggles the mind and I haven't seen anything like it um yet. I hope I never see anything like it again. They were reaching for straws. I mean, obviously it's a big famous case and if they could have cracked it, I mean, and 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 her mother recently passed away, didn't she, Jumpinase? Yeah, yeah, she she died of cancer not too long ago. And, uh, I mean, it's obvious now that they were reaching for straws. At the time when they announced that they had DNA proof, I, I had no clue that they were reaching for straws. But, wow, wipe the shame off their face now. How do you keep up with the San Francisco art scene? I don't keep up with the San Francisco art scene. There's too much. Um, so I just do the little bit that I can. Um, so I reach out to people and occasionally people reach out to me and just go from there. But there's so much that I'm not covering that I don't know about. So I'm not covering at all, at all. But I'm just trying to do my part in covering what I can. And, and interestingly enough, in terms of podcasts, in terms of art podcasts and podcasts in the arts that do interview formats like I do, um, I'm the most prolific interviewer out there, um, quickly approaching my 100th podcast. And I've gotten absolutely no publicity. And I don't know how I achieved that, but I guess it's a certain talent. You're very good. I, I've listened to the shows, and you really have a nice conversational type of interviewing style. And I think that's very genuine. That That's really fun to listen to. Let me ask you this. What motivated you to start your own show? It's, it's a combination of a couple of things. Um, first of all, when I was performing, I wrote a one-man show, and I was trying to think of ways to market it. And at first I thought of an interactive CD that I developed um, based on, you know, Internet. There's a, a program called Flash, which allows you to do interactive websites. So I... I constructed one of those, put it on CD, and thought, you know, it was the best thing since sliced bread, handed it out to people, it gave excerpts of my show, and about two people came. So I was devastated, and I was like, I have to find a way to market myself. Somebody mentioned blogging, but I knew that I wouldn't write that much, no way. And and, and researching blogging, I came across podcasting a little over a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, and I was like, oh, that's it, I can market myself with, with podcasting. But then relatively quickly, I realized that there's a bigger picture here and I could actually help the arts community get more 
um, exposure, more an, another venue to market and promote themselves. You know, it was much bigger than me, so that's how I came across it, and that's why I started it. And also because, in terms of acting, I just wasn't um, extremely talented at what I do with acting, but my business skills, in terms of the acting field, are lacking. And I I I, I use Cool as Hell as a as a way to explore what it takes to run a business so that then later I can learn to run the business of myself, Michael Rice, as an actor. We had a guest in show number 30 by the name of Leslie, and she was uh, doing a performance of Mismatches.com. Have you heard anything about that show? <laughs> well, yeah. Um, I, I actually first discovered her because of your website, because you actually did an interview with her. And um, so then I was like, oh, man, how could she not do an interview podcast in San Francisco? And so I actually got a lot of ideas um, from you and your show in hearing that podcast. But I have not seen her show, but I work with a guy who has seen her, sh- her, her show, and he did not like it at all. He thought she, he thought she was racist, male bashing. He thought her performance was just lacking and not strong. Now, understand that contrary to what this guy thinks, she's getting a lot of great publicity, a lot of great feedback, and her show is doing absolutely incredibly well. Yeah, that's what I've heard is she's on a a second run and tickets are going well, so... I think she's more than on her second run. She's like, before her, there was a guy named Brian Copeland who set the record for the longest-running solo show in San Francisco history. He left, so his run is now over. He went to New York. He'll probably be back. So right now, Leslie's show is currently the longest-running solo show in San Francisco. Not in history, but currently the longest-running solo show. Wow. Good for her. She's doing really well. Well, good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I, I got an email from her a while ago, but... Uh... Didn't, didn't really get the, the scoop on how well it is. So I'm glad you're validating that, that she's doing really well. Oh, absolutely. And she's a great interview. She was very fun, very forthright, very honest, and I liked that a lot. Are you getting some validation from the artists that you're talking with and interviewing? That's a hard question for me to answer. Um, in terms of, like, after the interview... Um, Everybody was like, oh, that was great. That was such a great interview. That was so fun. So in that sense, yes. But in terms of, like, the numbers of people coming and listening to the podcast, I don't know the exact numbers, um, but it's definitely not where I think it should be or could be. So what's in it for you? What, what are you getting out of this experience? Learning... Although Cool as Hell does not make any money for me, um, there are certain aspects that I have to learn in terms of, you know, running this little no-making-money business that I have. So there are certain aspects of business that I'm learning. Um, The really cool thing for me is that it's gotten me into audio engineering, which a year ago I knew absolutely nothing, and now I know a little more than nothing. I get to work with some cool software, Adobe Audition, um, and it's gotten me very much so interested in, in vlogging, video podcasting, which I am about to start. 
It's helped me to meet some cool people. I met a woman who's starting a podcast called Dared to Dream, which is an entrepreneur podcast, and she is an absolute go-getter. She has a, a master's in business, and she's just starting her podcast. And, you know, she recently booked George Foreman, and I got to go with her to interview George Foreman. So, you know, meeting people who can, you know, pull like big, big-name people in for interviews is really, really cool. Then, of course, I get to be on You Are the Guest. Hey, that goes without saying. <laughs> hey, here's my final question. Cool. What's something that you've learned about regarding theater or performance that you didn't know about before you started this podcast? Theater people across the gamut are notoriously awful at marketing. Um, I, I, knew, I knew that was true for actors, but across the theater practitioner gamut they are awful at marketing and tend to do shameless marketing plugs i mean just really shameless plugs when they get the opportunity because they don't get the opportunity um so you know one of the things that i would like to be able to go out there and do is talk to to theater practitioners and let them know the ridiculous marketing techniques or lack of that they're exhibiting out there and how sometimes it's very embarrassing and they probably can't see it. Mike, it's time to play Ask Bill 3. This is where I'm going to turn the microphone over to you and you get to ask me three questions about anything. So fire away. About anything, huh? Anything. Doesn't mean I'll answer it. You can ask the question. (laughs) Cool. If you were president today right now, and you were visiting the victims of Hurricane Katrina, what would you be saying to them? We're going to build this town back as fast as we can so you can get back to your lives that you left behind a year ago. Cool. How about yourself? What would you tell them? Oh, man. Aha, the old flip of the coin. (laughs) Well, um, it's interesting. Um, You know, if I was president right now, I'd be the first black president, so <laughs> I'd be like, well, yeah, we are, I, I, I'd be the same as you. We are definitely going to rebuild this town, and we are going to do it now and immediately appropriate funds for the rebuilding of that community. What's question number two? Question number two. You are a marketing guru. What makes you such? My experience. And the fact that I've made money for people for years have a solid track record. So from that, I have seen people spend a lot of money on things that work. I've seen people spend a lot of money on things that don't work. And through the years of working with people face-to-face, hands-on, that's what, I guess, makes me, uh, I don't like the word guru, but... I think that gives me a lot of marketed experience that uh, many people don't have. You see, I started selling advertising when I was 20. And here I'm 45, so 25 years later, you know, that speaks volume as far as, you know, what works and what doesn't. And I have seen the commonalities of what makes a successful program. And, you know, I, th- it's all very simple. You know, I, I call it uh, simple yes, easy no. Mm. So I guess that would qualify me. 
Cool. Question number three. If you were stranded on an island and you can only take three motorcycles, which three motorcycles would you take? We're talking about a desert island without paved roads. Um, no, there's paved roads and there's an unlimited mysterious supply of gasoline there. Oh. Um, easy. Um, Ducati. 916, a 1998 version. Okay. Um, then you would have to go with the bike that I have now, which is a Kawasaki Mean Streak 1600 Cruiser because it's a, the best all-around cruiser. And then I might go with um, like a dirt bike, right. like uh, Yamaha 400. Do you, do you ride bikes at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what do you ride? Uh, well, I don't ride anything now, um, but about 10 years ago I had a bike. That's when I learned. I guess it's about 10 years ago. Um, but I started off on a on a Honda Hawk. Oh, yeah. The NT650. Um, and then I had to sell it to go to grad school to be able to afford grad school. Um, but eventually I want to get another bike. What kind of bike would you get? Uh, I would love a Ducati, um, but... Could never, could can't afford that. Um, I like sport bikes, so maybe like a Jixxer six or seven fifty. Um, I've got a ZX nine R ninety nine. That's got it's it's got about twenty three thousand miles on it, uh-huh. and uh, just love it, just love it. And then I've got the Mean Streak, which is the cruiser type, which fills in that gap. I always get a kick out of the cruiser guys that sneer at you as you pass them on your sport bike. And I just want to say, hey, I've got one of those, too. But, you know, most people don't have one of each. Isn't that, a, isn't that amazing how if you pass a guy on a Harley and you're riding a sport bike, you're like the scum of the earth. They will not acknowledge you one iota. It amazes me. Yeah, yeah. and uh, but But these are also the same people that are trailering their bikes to go you know they don't ride their bikes to sturgis they trailer their bikes to sturgis at least i rode my bike from fort dodge all the way to sturgis which was a 12-hour ride but you know to me that's that's a little bit of motorcycle pride and don't get me started on that (laughs) well i definitely when i had my bike that was the only vehicle i had so I was not a fair-weather rider. I was riding through the thick and thin of it. Mike, do you want to tell our listening audience about your podcast and how they can subscribe and listen? Cool. So I run the Coolest Hell Theater podcast where I interview people from the San Francisco Bay Area and beyond, including New York and L.A., about their theater experience, shows that they're doing, issues of the day. Um... And I guarantee you, you listen to it, it is cool as hell. Because I'm cool as hell, and I make sure my guests come out sounding cool as hell. And you can check us out at www.coolasshelltheater.com. And it doesn't matter how you spell theater, E-R-R-E, doesn't matter, coolasshelltheater.com. Mike, thanks so much for being our guest this week on You Are the Guest. Bill, thank you, and you are definitely cool as hell. Hi, my name is Chance. Enter to win an iPod Nano by getting my new CD, 11 through 15, at mynameischance.com. Please now continue to listen to You Are.
You are the guest to me. Can't you see? <laughs> if you'd like to be a guest on a future show, just go to our website at www.youaretheguest.com. Submit your first name, the town where you live, and a short description on why you'd make a good guest. There is no charge for being a guest, and you'll have the opportunity to share what you think and how the news and events from today affect your life. The show's producers will contact you by email if you're chosen for a future show. Hi, my name is Chance, and you're listening to You Are the Guest, a pretty dang cool podcast where you can be the guest. Actually, so can I. Come to think of it, I, I was the guest. Last year, podcast number 10, which of course is my favorite number. <laughs> If you'd like to drop me a comment about this week's show, just email me at BillGrady at YouAreTheGuest.com. That takes care of this week's show from the great city of Fort Dodge, Iowa. I'm Bill Grady. Thanks for listening.